This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Barbara Wyth is a psychic medium who conducts and documents thousands of channeling sessions worldwide, speaking Albert Einstein's messages and the voices of other angelic peacemakers from beyond the grave. Barbara, the party, and the psychic sorority, along with the angels, have created Conflict Revolution as a way to solve world crises one person at a time, starting with ourselves. Valeria interviews Barbara Wyth she is an international peace activist, award-winning author, publisher, psychic channel, composer and performer, workshop facilitator, and inspirational speaker. She is the co-founder of Conflict Revolution, a revolutionary way to resolve conflicts of the psyche. Based on her work channeling Albert Einstein, she has authored six books on metaphysics, including Einstein et al. Manifestation, Conflict Resolution, and The New Operating System, 2016, winner of the 2016 Best Book Awards for New Age, and finalist in the 2017 Book of Excellence Awards for Body, Mind, Spirit, Imagining Einstein, Essays on M-Theory, World Peace and the Science of Compassion, 2007, winner National Best Books 2007 Award for Fiction and Literature, New Age Fiction, and the 2007 Indie Excellence Book Award for New Age Fiction. Party of 12, The Afterlife Interviews, 2001. Winner of the 2008 Beach Book Awards for Spirituality. Party of 12, Post 9-11, 2008. And Diaries of a Psychic Sorority, Talking with the Angels, 1997-2019. Finalist in the 2019 Book Excellence Award for Spirituality. Conflict Revolution, the workbook, finalist in the 2022 Book Excellence Award, Self-Help. Barbara teaches and trains Conflict Revolution in the classroom and on Zoom, and lectures on her Einstein's unified field theory, maps of human consciousness, and the science of compassion. Meet Barbara at synergyalliance.llc backslash barbarawith.com and partyof12.com. Here's the interview with Barbara With. In your own words, who is Barbara With? Barbara With is a multifaceted woman. I have been blessed and gifted with so many different talents and abilities. I started writing music when I was very young. 
I went on the road as a performer and a composer. I have done a million different mm-hmm. jobs along the way. Mm-hmm. I'm also an author. I write. I, uh, I am a trainer and a teacher. I developed this training through my psychic work and working with my people. So I do a lot of different things. Uh, right now, I'm focusing very much on, on peace right now. Mm, yes. That's an interesting answer that I have heard, of course, from a lot of people. I always ask that question and I get what I do. And of course, some people, they simply say, very few though, I don't know. <laughs> I <laughs> don't know. <laughs> but I don't know when I ask this question, who am I? Who are you? I'm never expecting to get one fixed concept, get to the core, maybe one definition. So would you say that actually what we are really is experience? Well, I think on a more esoteric level, Yes, but if we're going into that depth, the I am, you know, I am energy that is configured in consciousness that is taken shape and mass, who does Mm. have experiences. So Mm. I see your point. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So that's it. Yes, that's it. So most of us, only are aware of the experience. So we, that's why we describe ourselves as the experience, what we do and how we feel and yes. all that. But yes, that that is very much resonates true to me. Yes, we are something that has no qualities. And for that reason, we can be anything. Yeah, you always pause me when I talk about these things. It's liberating for, for some reason. It's almost like there's something here that's trying to grab or to grasp, you know, knowledge and to hold on to concepts and experiences. But then something else here that says, no, you're free, you're none of it. <laughs> so it's, it's liberating for some reason for that part that tends to grab <laughs> and, and, and want to become something instead of just being everything. I don't know if we can be everything at the same time, but obviously we are, but we are just kind of seems like we are concentrating on one thing, one one person at a being one person at a time with all these qualities. How fascinating, right, Barbara? Well, and with my work, and maybe we'll get into some of these this discussion as we go, is that we are everything and then we are nothing. And then we are all of those experiences that we identify with as I I opened up with here's here's the things that I have done in my life and and so there is separation from everything it isn't the primary reality I don't think the separation but it's it's a very real reality and when we get into talking about the the operating system that Einstein has brought forth in my work we can talk about how that can be how it is both uh real, uh, not an illusion. Separation is not an illusion, but it's not the whole thing. Right. Yeah. That's my understanding too. It's relativity, isn't it? It's not the absolute. So it's a relative reality. 
the absolute reality would be the one that it's the relative is under it. Let's say it's overarching the um, the absolute reality overarches everything, all the other realities. Yes, but the, ultimately there's just one reality. But yeah, right. It feels very much real. And I, the the studies that I engage with, which is Vedanta, they often bring the metaphor of the dream, that this is a dream, a dream-like, because it comes and goes and it's not as stable as we think it is. So it, it, it does feel like a dream a lot of times, almost like a reoccurring dream or a progressive dream. It just has this continuation, this feeling of continuation. Okay, we'll get there. <laughs> I just want to talk about the end before we get there. <laughs> so talk to me about how you came to, uh, I don't want to say would be, but I have to, yeah, be, become. How did you come to these understandings? Like, yeah, the, especially these spiritual ones. I would love to hear more about that. Well, I believe that I started to do what is called channeling when I began to write music. Because when I was about 12 years old, I started to write music, quite a surprise to me. And the way I described it was that I felt like I was going into outer space and I was listening for the song that was already written. And then I would come back, I'd go to the piano and I'd write the words, I'd have a little bit of lyric the beginning of the chord structure, and I would play whatever I had, four, eight bars, over and over and over until suddenly came out another eight bars. And it was as if someone was squeezing the music out of a toothpaste tube. And I think I've heard, particularly I heard a, there's a physicist named Brian Green who was describing how he does math. And he almost described it in the same way. So that, that experience and that uh, gift, uh, talent that started to be a part of my life was really the beginning of my later on in life then learning that not only could I listen for music, but I could listen for information. I could communicate with those who had passed on uh, and eventually leading to Einstein. But that music was really what started it all off. Wow. Yes. So in a way, we are, would you say we are being guided or we are actually calling and inviting these energies in? Or did they just arise spontaneously? Well, for me, music did. I was, uh, I began playing the piano, taught myself piano. I began teaching myself piano when I was five or six. And so by the time I was 12, when I started writing music, I certainly knew what music was, but I had no idea. I didn't start out thinking, oh, I think I'm going to be a songwriter. I was in a very, very difficult upbringing and I was writing poetry as a way to sort of get get all my feelings and thoughts out and one day it just gelled that I started putting these poems to music and so I think on a bigger level I think part of part of us are always guided 
But I think much more of that guidance comes from a much deeper part of who we are that we may not be aware of or may not think it's us. You know, human beings have a tendency to want to put things outside ourselves. You know, it's somebody, somebody's the enemy or somebody's the angel. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. within us and within our energy mm-hmm. system and within our operating system, which is so complex, it's so complex that there is a lot of stuff that's destined to come forward. We, I think we come into some agreements before we are born here of kind of a basic, uh, basic pathway that we're going to walk and things that we're going to experience. And then we're also given free will that allows us to make those decisions of what we're going to do with what we what we've been given. So I think it's a little bit of both, but I'm I'm a big big believer that we have so much more power than we understand. Mm, yes, that's my intuition too. It's it's intuitive kind of knowledge. Yes. How was it to channel Albert Einstein? Did you know right away that there was him? No, it was a long journey that I took. I I started to see uh, a psychic when I was in high school. She was the mother of a friend of mine, and we didn't call it channeling. We just went for readings, and she would close her eyes. And she told me she was going into outer space, so I could really relate to that. And, And then tell me all of this beautiful information about my life uh, particularly my music and where I was going with it. And so I was I was familiar with what this process was. But what she said was she always talked about herself like she was a big antenna. There weren't angels or mm-hmm. dead people or mm-hmm. aliens. <laughs> yes. She just had this talent where she could pick up my higher power, whatever, whatever that was, mm-hmm. and speak back to my human mind because you know the human mind is always questioning and our higher power has all these answers so that was how i was introduced to it for many years so when i started to do automatic writing which came very spontaneously i was not looking for it i was typing a letter to a friend of mine and suddenly my hands got taken over and so i knew what it was but i was still very ex- uh, surprised that I could do this. And the most profound thing about that first experience was that they were talking about situations in my life that I thought were really failures. And I was very ashamed of, I'd gone into music and the beautiful dream of healing people with my music turned into rock and roll and drugs and all of that. But they took that and they reframed it in a very meaningful and magical way that immediately had me go, oh, I never thought of that. And so it was this little shift in perspective that started the self-healing with it. And so when I started to to then do readings, I eventually began to speak like my my mentor had. Uh, I that's how I felt. I was an I was a giant antenna. But in 1993, I got this idea that I wanted to do group channeling, much like Edgar Casey had done or Jane Roberts or uh, any of the other early uh, psychics that did that. And I started to do groups 
with two other women, Teresa McMillan and Kimberly Phelps. And they, in the reading very early on, said, who are you? And the answer was, well, you can call us angels. And I wasn't really excited about that answer because I, you know, angels to me depicted something different than the conversations we were having with these voices that were all about, they told us they were going to give us step-by-step instructions for world peace, one person at a time, starting with the self. And they had this revolutionary process that they needed us to test, to see if it really worked, because otherwise it was just going to be a theory for these angels. And so we ended up um, having six master sessions where they give they gave us these six steps for peace. And then we proceeded to apply it to our own lives. And it was revolutionary to us because the one of the first revolutionary things they said was that if you're involved in a conflict, the root is within you. Mm-hmm. And that just literally made my head mm-hmm. kind of whip around and go, wait a minute. Yes. That was involved in a lot <laughs> yes. of conflicks. What does that <laughs> yes. mean? And <laughs> so we took this information and we, the three of us, uh, not just listening to these ideas, but actually putting to them, putting these ideas to the test on the conflicts we were having with each other. So that was our first book, Diaries of a Psychic Sorority, Talking with the Angels. And when I, we published that book, we self-published that book in 1997, but I got ourselves a literary agent to shop the rights. And she was the one that called me and said, hey, I got this tabloid in London. They do, you know, supernatural, paranormal stuff. And they're looking for an interview with Princess Diana on the one year anniversary of her death. And I had never done such a thing. I mean, I had learned that I could speak to people who had passed on, but they came to me, literally. They would appear to me and say, can you get a message to my son or my whatever? And so I was a little bit hesitant, really, but I thought, well, let's let's try. And I sat down and I channeled the questions and the answers. And when I read it back, I wept. It was detailed information about her relationship with Dodie and what they talked about that night and what happened that night and her relationship to her children. And, but the most profound thing that she said at the end was that she was there to implore the millions and millions of people who loved her to make peace because peace was needed. And I believe because of that, the tabloid didn't want it. I think they were looking for stuff about Camilla and well, such. So my agent and I said, well, who, who else might want to talk? And after a couple of different interviews, we got to John F. Kennedy and he said, we will tell you who is going to be next because we've been working on this. And that's when Albert Einstein showed up. And as soon as I began to channel, I knew that this voice had been with me probably as long as I'd been writing music. Because, you know, Einstein is also a musician and loved music. But also, this was the voice, and there was a kind of an accent at the time that I could never understand when I channeled. Like, what is this weird affectation of my voice? And after 
um, Einstein was revealed, I realized it was Yiddish. It was a Yiddish kind of affectation. And so uh, in 2005, that was a hundred year anniversary of Einstein's miracle year. I did a, a very specific book just with Einstein called Imagining Einstein Essays on M Theory, World Peace, and the Science of Compassion. And in this book, he started to give what he couldn't do in life. First of all, was a unified field theory. And in that unified field theory, he defined compassion with a capital C as the fifth fundamental force of the universe. That it is the it is the intelligence that uses the four fundamental forces to create matter, aka the universe, uh, one step at a time. And this was mind-boggling to me that he could define compassion in a scientific way, a quantifiable way, and um, that was really the book and all the information that headed my life into that direction to, of working with Einstein. Right. Wow. Um, I'm like in awe here, <laughs> listening to you. Uh, what an amazing experience to have, which is not just, it is an experience, but it's one that could bring this longstanding, oh, desire from the heart of the spiritual world that we say, I would say, to this reality. That's really, really beautiful. So talk to me about the conflict revolution training. Is it, is it accessible to everyone, Barbara, or to certain No, people? it is accessible to everyone. I am offering master classes on a regular basis at our website, which is synergyalliance.llc. That's LLC is a domain name now. So, yeah. And um, yeah. I have decided uh, when I built the website this spring to bring all of, uh, all of the Psychic Sororities books together in one place, that this is a time on the planet now where people need to understand their power and conflict revolution is one of the most powerful processes I have ever experienced and been gifted enough to be a part of researching and developing. It, it not only saved my life, uh, I, I live it on a regular basis, and I have seen people all over the world change their lives from within and it's so deep and it's so gets to the root of a conflict within all those years ago when they mm -hmm. said it, that those conflicts yeah. begin within you. I had no idea yeah. what that was going <laughs> to yes. lead me to, which was um, uh -huh. basically, very basically, what we show you is, this, is Einstein's, he calls it the map of human consciousness. And there's a whole operating system in the unified field uh, theory that we present. But in a nutshell, conflict revolution says we have what we call three human dimensions, all right? Emotion, intuition, and intellect. 
And emotion is not just our feelings, but emotion is actually the fuel that is at the root of all physical matter. This is how he he defined emotion that we're led to believe erroneously that we're supposed to only feel good feelings or high feelings or whatever. But what what his revolutionary theory is, is that no, 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 no. We need to feel everything. We need to move everything through us because as emotion, which is centered in the solar plexus, comes up, it is the fuel that is part of why we're having this human experience, why there's a computer and a microphone and a glass of water near me. And the second human dimension is intuition, which is located in the heart. And the intuition is a small, imperative, we say statement, but it's really, it could be an impelling, it's not necessarily words that's impelling us to take the next most advantageous step for the good of the whole. And the whole begins with us and and this system, but also the good of the whole, the good of the whole system, the good of the whole situation, the good of the whole whatever we're dealing with, because that's got to be the new guiding principles for humanity. We have to make decisions for the good of the whole because we are one whole organism. And so then this flows up into the third human dimension, which is intellect, and that's located in the head. And intellect is really where all the conflict begins because while your intuition can be telling you, let's say you're you're overworking and you're running yourself ragged and your intuition can tell you rest and your intellect where your free will actually exists in that frequency and that energy your intellect can say oh heck no i'm not going to rest i got too much to do and push on and make decisions against what your intuition is telling you so that conflict right there and and I, the angels told us this very early on, and and it's taken me thirty years to really flesh out what the the depth of this truth is. That is the biggest conflict where most of the conflicts in this world come from, is because intuition, which everyone has, and it's it's basically it's the voice of compassion with the capital C, the intelligence that's creating our us and our experience is always pushing us to do what's best for the good of the whole because that's the nature of the oneness and and love but it's the intellect then and the ego that says no we're not going to do that it's the ego and the intellect that look outside ourselves and now the intellect is has a very important purpose in that it defines it defines the world. So on some subatomic level of your thinking, there is a, a, a voice or a message that say you're looking at the computer going, that is a computer, that is a computer, that is a computer. Yes. So it's defining <laughs> the world. And yes. But then we as, as gods, so to speak, 
Mm. We let that ego then define not just the objective things, that is a computer sitting on the desk in 2023. We add the subjective. We add the judgments. Well, that's a terrible computer and it's horrible. And that person over there is this and that, and I'm no good. And so it's that human ego that starts to break down that flow of compassion and the alignment to compassion. We get unaligned to compassion. And what happens then is, as if you were ever to see it, the presentation of the unified field theory, that all of this is surging up on gravitational waves from the center of the earth. That is the center. That is the source. That is the void is in the center of the earth. And our very specific gravitational wave that's going to be me is flowing up. And when it gets to the outer uh, part of the earth, it pushes through into what we call the lens. And your body is created. We are creating, we are creating right now, even as we're speaking, it's, we're miracles just sitting here doing nothing, creating this body. And all of that compassion, the emotion that's the fuel to create the physical world flows out. It's projected from us and then it's perceived by us back. Sort of like think of a, a lens of an eye, right? The, the, it goes out and then we, we perceive it back. And so that is a really a very basic explanation of the, the operating system. But it's in that non-physical world between the source and the lens in the, in the interior of the planet where our, our wave, our non-physical wave is flowing. That's where the conflicts lie. And it's a perfect system. It's a perfect system in that whatever is happening on those waves is going to perfectly project and be perceived. So if we have a lot of conflict, it's going to perfectly project that conflict into reality. And that's why we're where we are today, I think. Yes, that's one of my questions. So do you feel that the relative reality we experience here collectively, it's reflecting this individual conflict, personal individual conflict? Yes, I think that the, the way that humans are created in this way we're not we're not aware we might be we might theoretically be able to understand that uh, these concepts but people don't know how to maneuver through them in order to change them in order to change what's manifesting outside of ourselves starting from within right wow what is your vision barbara do you actually can, can you see the big picture of one day, I don't like the idea of time. <laughs> I'm so much in the timeless a lot of times. I have to use the word time again. But do you have this vision that this experience will happen somehow, manifest, that we will all come in harmony and unite again in the sense of resolve the conflicts within and live this harmonious, beautiful reality? reality. I absolutely believe that if people were to adopt this understanding that all of it begins within and then 
work it that way. So when I train conflict revolution and we actually bring a conflict, you bring an everyday practical conflict and we look at what it is and we find out, we, we boil it down to what we call a sound bite. So, you know, people can go on and on about their mother-in-law hates me and this and that and this. And then we get it like, let's just get it down to one sound bite we can remember. And my mother-in-law, she wants me to go back to Barbados, where I came from. I had a conflict with someone in a workshop like that. And when we take that soundbite and we were willing to let go of being detachment to the mother-in-law and turn it around to say, where do you want to go back to Barbados? And in just like that, in an instant, this client of mine started to weep saying, I have been so homesick. She had, she had moved to Norway. She'd married a Norwegian. She had some children. And her whole story was that she couldn't go there because of her children. And then her mother-in-law was trying to drive her away. And when she revolved it almost instantly, she realized, oh my gosh, my intellect is telling me all of these stories. My children, I can't go because of my children. Well, her children were 16 and 19. You think they were babies. And she came back the next day to the workshop and she said 25 years of having this conflict with her mother-in-law was over and peace was beginning. And so if we can do it on these personal levels, I am dedicating the rest of my life to bringing this information out. And I, what I'm doing is I'm calling for a participation of the willing to do a, a worldwide nonviolent action to end the age of war. And my theory is if we use this, which works on this microcosm level, it works for me miraculously to create miraculous results, then we can, if we can end within ourselves, this us versus them within us, and not just in our heads where we, we all believe that we're one, but where we can observe ourselves to see where we might unwittingly be doing this, this us versus them, and we and we create within ourselves uh, alignment to compassion so that when our intuition calls and tells us to do something, our intellect is there, ready to do it, ready to take that action. I truly believe that this is this can be have a worldwide effect very quickly. Now, we'd have to get it to everyone and we'd have to get the willing to want to be willing to do it. We wouldn't need the whole world. I think there's probably a, you know, proportion of people, but I really truly believe that we will see changes that we can't get when we go directly at the conflict. Sounds wonderful to me and it it just resonates true. It is solving the conflicts within that we um finding peace within that we can see peace out there the The interesting thing is that for me, my own experience with um spiritual practices and going deeper into understanding as in going deeper understanding my own let's say ego body mind complex you know in complex complexities, I noticed that the more peace of I find within, in a sense of accepting myself and the self, then it's easy to kind of accept and be at peace with everything the way 
it is without trying to change anything. So it's almost like a contradiction in a way, like in, in, in the way you're talking, in the, in the things I do. I really want to see that too, a part of me. But there's another one that it's already at peace with everything. And that's, there's nothing that needs to be changed. It's just happening and it's just, everything is God. Yes, and I think the the paradox that we live in is that we are all one. This is all perfect. This is as it's supposed to be. And (laughs) in the lens (laughs) of the world, there's a lot of conflict. And we don't have to be sucked into it. We can stay in that peaceful place. But what I'm suggesting is that if people would step up and, and say, okay, yes, all that is true. All that, we are one and all that oneness, you know, that's kind of why I didn't like angels that it's like, that's good, we're all one. But (laughs) there's real conflict going on here. And it's an opportunity for us to go deep into this part of us that we can't see otherwise. My client wouldn't have been able to see that she was so conflicted and wanted to go home so bad unless she saw it through a conflict with her mother-in-law. And I just think that is really the the key to, and it's both, it's both. Yes, yes. And in this way, it makes a lot of sense, of course. Yes, one person, I love the way you say that when you send it to me in the topic, world peace, one person at a time, starting with self. Yes, of course, the work is it's done here. When we solve conflict here, then... Yeah, that will happen outside too. But it's just one person at a time. It could be in our within our own family member, but that's a part of the world, isn't it? Of this reality. So that makes a lot of sense, Barbara. What a beautiful work. What other questions come to mind here? Yes, another question I have for you is when you talk about the in- intuition and the intellect, it feels like they're separated from one another. And I know that that's true too when it comes to the relative reality. But isn't everything happening within consciousness? Well, it's it's all consciousness. So, yes, all consciousness. So how do we know the difference between, let's say, that pure energy of consciousness that has no qualities in the mind? And then when I see, when you talk about intuition and the intellect, even emotions, I think about the realm of the mind, which is, different from, it feels different from consciousness, which is, has no qualities and it's pure. Well, I guess on our maps, if I were talking about the nothingness of consciousness, which has no physical form in, in, in the sense of the root, I would think about the source, the, that zero point, um, and in our maps, uh, compassion with the capital C is the intelligence that uh, impels out of the nothingness a point to create the beginning of everything that we see here in the physical world. So if you're talking about kind of the universal mind I think of that as the whole entire operating system that I that I can draw and present to you. But there is separation. 
There's a separation of emotion. There's a separation of intuition. There's a separation of intellect. And they all work together to create that consciousness of our human selves, our physical bodies. And what fills us up is that life force, right? That consciousness. So there is both that separation and that oneness. Uh, and and if there weren't, then there wouldn't be you and there wouldn't be me, you know, separate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yes. So for the sake for, of, of experience, all the, the mind comes into play with all these colors and all these energies, but everything is under consciousness, which I can't help it, but just see everything as consciousness, which it is true, right? Which it is what's yes, happening. Yes, at the root, everything is. Ah, I love hearing that. <laughs> what's not to love about everything we look at is consciousness. Oh my God, everything's God. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, but it's true. But there's that the dance of conflicts and wars. Yeah, it's, I've heard before, you probably have too, about that God forgotten that he is God or he, she, the energy. And it's just so good at playing all these forms that it's just completely got almost like, uh, uh, let's say, uh, yeah, it, 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 it forgot, it has forgotten that it is everything and then kind of focused on one little form that it has played with, it's dancing with. Yes, but don't you think that that's that's the reason that we're we're each individuals to be able to have this experience of not just you know the whole one big oneness of consciousness, uh-huh. but to see our see ourselves, the different parts, the different potentials of that this consciousness has in order for us to master it. Ah, yes. It's like dreaming and then all of a sudden awaken in the dream. And now you know that it is a dream and it feels very different. Have you had that experience? I'm sure you you had about lucid dreams, right? Yeah, had many of them. (laughs) They are fun. Yeah, and then that's when it becomes fun because now you're not really, let's say, lost in it. Because the dreams, it's just so many things happen and you have no, you have that sense of no control. You have no idea what's going to come next. Could turn into a nightmare, actually. And sometimes it does. Um, so maybe that's why I keep always focusing the attention um, to the absolute. Because then it's easier <laughs> to have fun in that sense. Because it seems like the idea is to celebrate, isn't it? We can be all this. Ah, this is amazing. How can I'm, I'm talking to myself like you, Barbara, but you're not yeah. Barbara. You're actually pure consciousness. This is incredible. The microphone, everything. And it's fun. But then if I don't know that and I forget that this very important piece, it's easy to get into, um, I don't know, a fight, a conflict, as your work beautifully suggests that we can resolve a conflict. But if we, if we don't know that we are pure consciousness, then and consciousness is everything, then it's, um, from my perspective, has been my own experience. It has, had made, has made a huge, huge difference within the human experience. Yeah. And maybe that's why I keep going back to the absolute, but focus on that and, and not ignoring the relative reality and call it an, an illusion and all that. I used to, but not anymore. Now it's, a more, it's playful to me. 
Yes, it's playful. And then in those times when it's when it's not, you know, when you there are obvious times in human experience. I feel like conflict revolution is it's like waking up in, in a dream. It's like the lucid dream when you wake up and you realize, wait a minute, I can be in charge of this. And the dream still has components that are surprising, et cetera, but it's more playful. And it's the same way with conflict revolution. When I get to a conflict and and I think I'm stuck in this thing, and then I revolve it to say, wait a minute, what in this projection that I'm doing, am I trying to find out about what's inside me in this map inside me? And then when I get there and I resolve it there, suddenly around me starts this synchronicity that's it's not about me controlling it. It's about things naturally unfolding as compassion would have them if it wasn't conflicted in there. If that makes mm. sense. Yes, it does. It does, does, does. Yeah, when it's not playful, as you said, which is it is my experience most of the time, when it gets serious or something happens, then it turns into, I'll call it inner peace, peace, really. And then it's easier to kind of accept and see what can be done without getting angry, without hurting anyone. It's easier to focus again on the big picture for me and just go for what is beneficial for all of us yes. here. And speaking of my family, the work I do, sometimes I interview some people. It's very rare, but sometimes I ask questions that people, some people don't want to a- answer. <laughs> They're not ready. And then I'm like, oh, what do I do now? <laughs> And then there's always something that comes up that it's um, that creates this instant harmony and like finds the solution somehow, but in a very kind way. So it, it's never really trying to escape from it or trying to fight, resist anything that is happening, even when it's a, a nightmare. Because I have had recently, actually, last year, when my mother-in-law came to live with us. Oh my God, (laughs) reflecting back. (laughs) Uh, Well, she had a lot of issues uh, at the level of the mind, of course. (laughs) And I knew that she was consciousness. (laughs) But then, ah, that was was a tough one. And, you know, in retrospective, it's just, um, how did I do that? I'm just thinking here. And I remember being guided a lot of times and sitting... Uh, in front of a tree and then asking, you got to help me. <laughs> what do I do here? And then hearing this, you know, this voice, voiceless voice that would say something like trust. Yep. And then I would just melt, you know, the heart would open and okay. <laughs> and then peace would set in again. So it's, I guess that's what it is for me, Bob. It makes a lot of sense. What you do, it really resonates with that. Although the focus is not the absolute, but yes, it makes so much sense. It's just well, it's and what beautiful. you're talking about is is really a part of conflict revolution. I think the thing that makes it really special and unique for me is that when we're in those places where we can't hear it, you know, because we get there, we do, we get like, yes, oh, yes. you get so emotion. <laughs> yes, is that there's yeah. this very simple <laughs> formula for finding what to do within because you know you'll get triggered by things that I won't get triggered by we could be have a had the same experience and you could get so if we take that external perspective of what's triggering me 
and turn it into that metaphor, turn it into the 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 roadmap back inward. Like, what does your mother-in-law do? Well, she she doesn't um, she doesn't respect my time. And then we turn that in and we we look, we we actually spend time going, well, where am I making decisions where I'm not respecting my time or I'm not respecting someone else's time? And we set about to watch ourselves. And when you find that, it's this not only this huge aha moment of, oh my gosh, look at, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. I think, you know, I have all these ideas that I'm this just consciousness and spiritual, but I'm finding that I'm, I too am making decisions that aren't fill in the blank. And then there can be a, an adjustment there. That little piece of conflict revolution is so amazingly powerful. And I'm hoping in the days and weeks and months ahead, as I'm bringing this forward to inspire more people to, to really think about it that way. Hmm. Yeah, it's truly inspiring. And I can I can see that, um, right? Blind spots, yes, right? We yes. call it. Sometimes I'm so focused on the absolute, right? The big picture, everything's God that I forget. Well, and we make so many <laughs> yes, decisions in a day. We make so yes. many decisions in a day. Yeah. And we we sometimes uh-huh. have this idea. I do, you know, I, like I had a soundbite once about she's lying to me. Well, where am I lying to myself? I'm not a liar. I'm one of the most honest people you'll know. But when I stopped... And thought, well, where am I lying to myself? And found it. Oh, nothing could have gotten me to that place but that kind of revolution, I think. Right. Yeah. And sounds like a really inner world revolution. Yeah. To come from this perspective. It's a beautiful work. So is the conflict revolution training. And this can be found on your website, which you have three of them. I have three of them here, Barbara. Is that correct? Just one of them? Let's yes, see. I have I have three. One is just Barbara yes. with, and that's that's mine specifically. And then SynergyAlliance.llc, that is all of the work that I've done with my associates, including Conflict Revolution. And Party of 12, PartyOf12.com, that's really all my archives of all my Einsteinian work. It goes back to probably 2009, 2008. And a lot, a lot of free information. And then all my books, I've got six books. So, Yes, I have everything here. So I'll have those links on your podcast profile. And of course, the Amazon links to the books, the ones that are on Amazon. And I want to thank you again for your beautiful, uh, I said work when we're off record, but it's not really work. <laughs> this is labor of love, yes, isn't it? Yes, very much uh, so. It's just, yeah, it's a celebration of truth, as I said before, that... It really resonates that way. So I want to thank you again for your presence in this reality. Well, thank you so much for having me, Valeria. Thank you, Barbara. And before we say goodbye for today, I do have one more question for you, the ending question. So I will ask you this one. I know everything goes back to conflict revolution, but who knows, maybe there's something outside of that. But that's will be the last question. But I have one before that. What is freedom to you? Freedom to me is being in charge of my own domain to be self-caring, self-loving, self-validating, and um, basically taking care of myself. 
Yes. Uh, I never heard it that way. That's an interesting, which makes a lot of sense again, going back to your own, your own piece of the world <laughs> that, that ended up being the whole world in yes. the end. So the last question is three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die. I wish everyone would, first of all, experience self-love. Uh, I also think that I wish everyone could experience self-love in order to then project that self-love onto everyone in their world and the world in general. And uh, I think joy, joy, pure joy should be something we all get to get to live in before we pass. Thank you so much again, Barbara, for your beautiful, timeless wisdom. You're welcome. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Barbara Wyth and her work, please visit synergyalliance.llc backslash barbarawith.com and partyof12.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.